Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson and Michael Grumbine. Welcome, everybody. We are still slogging through every single change in The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and uh, Michael and I couldn't do it alone. So last week we brought in the Middle-earth mixer. And this week we have John Carswell from the Tolkien Road podcast. At the, is it TheTolkienRoad.com, I think? Right. Uh, just TolkienRoad.com. TolkienRoad.com. Tolkien yeah. yeah, or just look up Tolkien Road. It's the first result in uh, in every single search engine out there. I'm sure. I know it is. And John's John's today. not new to our podcast. We were on no. some live streams with him earlier. Yeah, we did interview live streams when that was a thing, and we had time, and uh, and uh, and yeah, things were a little bit less hectic. But we'll, we'll, one day we'll get back into that. Um, but uh, I enjoyed those. Those were a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have you here. We're gonna, we're gonna this this day, this uh, this episode is going to be going over the prologue, uh, and I think it's going to be a little controversial because some of them are maybe a little bit more perception than reality, or two of them maybe. So anyway, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Um, I think yeah, I think there's some concept. It's interesting. So just to remind our viewers, this is the first one that we've done that is not a general change. This is diving right into the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring. That's so right. Good the point. First, first few moments of the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring. Most of our um, episodes beyond this are going to be specifically going through each movie. There might be a couple that we where we sweep in some general changes that we notice. I know there's going to be at least one when we get to it in the fellowship. But uh, anyway, yeah, we're so this is our first. So we're just doing the prologue today. Three different changes that were made in the prologue, or as Jonathan said, maybe one or two changes, and and then some differences of opinion on a third. So we'll see. Yeah, and um, and I know a lot of people are going to say we're being way too picky about this. That's happened a few times. Uh, but just remember, we spent six episodes on one essay by Tolkien on fairy stories. So it was awesome. If, if you want nine hours of speaking about one episode, as long as it takes you to get through the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy, you can listen to us talk about <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, an essay, that's an essay worth spending. You know, yeah. Yeah. Even more. I mean, I think we could have taken like the sections. I mean, we took each section and then we even divided one up into two parts, but I believe we thought we could do it in yeah. three sessions originally. And then we just went with the flow. So what Jonathan's trying to say listeners <laughs> is that if you are going to complain to us that we're taking too long with too small of a change, we don't care. Yeah, we don't care. We're, 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 I've been nitpicking things for the last 25 years in Tolkien. So, um, I'm going to continue. I mean, John, how many times have you gone through the similar lane? twice now on your podcast? I think twice right? through the similar lane. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's different each time. So we're going to keep picking nits, everybody. Uh, and if you liked our nitpicking, you can actually <laughs> get that nitpicking. What a segue. By becoming a member. You can see it even more by going to theonering.com slash members. Um, actually, does, you know, I think exploringtolkien.com slash members will, will also do. I've been, I've been toying with the idea of, yeah, of switching not exploringtolkien.com slash members won't work, but of switching the URL or like trying to play with exploring Tolkien more. So if you guys have ideas, if you think we should move off of the wondering.com as a primary domain, which is hard because we have some pretty serious SEO uh, authority with that URL, but I don't know. Maps and movie changes. Yeah. Yeah. And some images too, but maps in particular were were very high up on the list and and for good reason, because they've been there for the same URL for like 20 something years. So we're linked all over the place. Anyway, 
Uh, if you do, become a member at the slash members. You get the extended podcast where we get even into more details. Today, we're going to be talking about, I think, some of these changes that we'll get into more detail about what we would have done uh, differently. And then we're also going to be talking about uh, a few questions uh, from the folks in our Discord. The members, right? Because if you're not a member, you don't get access to Discord. So what are you guys doing? Uh, and we'll go into the questions about last week about Sauron and the eye. Uh, maybe he just took his eye and made a big eye because he could. Do... Anyway, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about stuff like that. So join us in the extended podcast by going to the wonder.com slash members. Uh, I think we're going to have a chat, a live chat, all of us together this Saturday. At some point, I'm going to try and get one in. It's been a couple months, so we're really, I really got to get back on the ball with that. So everybody, thank you. Join us there. It's free for the first month. We're going to go into the first change of this week's episode, which is men want power and not immortality. Three were given to the elves, immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men who above all else desire power. This, I think, is going to be a little controversial. There are people, and maybe I'm one of them, that think power and immortality aren't quite as the uh, A equals B type of analogy type of comp comparison that that's there so the question is do they want power or do they want immortality so i'm going to read a few quotes two from the akalabeth and one from the two towers to kind of uh, set the stage for this um so here we go from the akalabeth but the design of manway was that the numenorians should not be tempted to seek for the blessed realm nor desire to overpass the limits to their bliss becoming enamored of the immortality of the valar and the eldar and the lands where all things endure and then also from the akalabeth now this yearning grew ever greater with the years for immortality, and the Numenorians began to hunger for the undying city that they saw from afar, and the desire of everlasting life to escape from death, and the ending of delight grew strong upon them. And ever as their power and glory grew greater, their unquiet increased, for though the Valar had rewarded the Dunedain with long life, they could not take from them the weariness of the world that comes at last, and they died. Even their kings of the seed of Aarondil, and the span of their lives was brief in the eyes of the Eldar. Okay, those two are from the Silmarillion, from the Akalabeth, uh, which is all about the, the Second Age and, and the Numenorians in Numenor. Uh, and then this last one is from the, the Two Towers, from the chapter Window on the West, which uh, is a throwback to the former name of this podcast. <laughs> Good times. Uh, and this is Faramir speaking to Frodo. Uh, and he says this, Death was ever present because the Numenorians still as they had in their old kingdom and so lost it, hungered after endless life unchanging. Kings made tombs more splendid than the houses of the living and counted old names in the rolls of their descent dearer than the names of their sons. Childless lords sat in aged halls, musing on heraldry. In secret chambers, withered men compounded strong elixirs or in high cold towers asked questions of the stars. So we can see immortality was a thing that Tolkien kind of focused on for what men craved. And in the film, the very first thing, the very first thing that Galadriel in the prologue says about men, I mean, this is in what this is like the fourth sentence of the entire pro prologue. Men want power, and it just doesn't mention anything about immortality. Now, is power equal to immortality? Is do we do we say it's the same? I know that Michael has an opinion about this, so Michael, I'm gonna go straight to you if you do indeed want to chime in. Uh yes. So I Michael has an opinion. So I completely, I love your quotes. They mm -hmm. they do, in fact, make a strong point. 
Uh, the point that I think they make, though, is one that is not perhaps um, maybe lost on some some folks that watch the movie because there's no great distinction between men made in the movie between men and Dunedain or men and Numenorians. Mm-hmm. But in truth, Tolkien, um, all, all three quotes that you gave there were about the Numenorians. They were not about all men. They were about the Numenorians. And the Numenorians Achilles heel was indeed, and did appear to be the, the desire for immortality. And so um, in the movie, what they show in that shot that was up there for a while, while you were reading the quotes, were the nine men who would become the ringwraiths. And the and and Galadriel is speaking to Gandalf, Gandalf, sorry, Sauron giving those men the rings. And so I'm going to read a passage from that very gift, that that very giving. Also, and this is from the chapter called Of the Rings of Power, not to be confused with a terrible TV series from last year. Um, this is in the Silmarillion, and it's speaking about the crafting of the nine rings, or all of the rings of power. And it says, But Sauron gathered into his hands all the remaining rings of power, and he dealt them out to the other peoples of Middle-earth, This is the other peoples other than the elves. Hoping thus to bring under his sway all those that desired secret power beyond the measure of their kind. So the act of giving the rings, those nine rings, which is what is being pictured, because Galadriel is speaking about the forging of the rings of power. I mean, that's and it's in the name. They're the rings of power, not, not the rings of immortality, although they do bring a kind of immortality as well, which is hence your distinction, or the, at least the question you're raising, Jonathan, about does is there an equal sign between the two? Yeah. I don't think there is, but I do think the emphasis is, is on power, and because the very first thing we're told about them and the giving of those rings is that Sauron's looking for people that desire power above all things. Um, Men proved easier to ensnare. Those who used the nine rings became mighty in their day. Kings, sorcerers, and warriors of old. They obtained glory and great wealth, yet it turned to their undoing. They had, as it seemed, unending life, yet life became unendurable to them. They could walk, if they would, unseen by all eyes in the world beneath the sun, and they could see things in worlds invisible to mortal men, but too often they beheld only the phantoms and delusions of Sauron. Okay, and then it talks about how they fall under his thraldom eventually and all become ring race. So what do the men gain from this? Why, why do they accept the rings and what do they gain? They gain first and foremost power of all sorts of kinds. Um, glory, the power that comes with authority, kinship, the power that comes from the use of magic, sorcerers, the power of strength of arms, warriors. They gain the power of, of um, uh, power over men by their persuasion, their fame, and, and, and ultimately, so that we have all these species of things that they gain. And, and we're told explicitly, that Sauron's give it to them for power. So what I just think here is that I think there's just a difference in emphasis. I think the 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 movie is trying to emphasize the the fact that men do indeed, and especially these men that you're looking at on the, in the film, as Galadriel speaking, they desire power above all things. And and um and I, I think the text makes it clear. So this is the first time. Number seventeen is the first change that I differ slightly with this as a change. I don't actually think this is a change. I just think this is a different emphasis. I think the desire for immortality is indeed there, but I would also remind you, Jonathan, that only three of those nine men are Numenorians, as um, uh, Tolkien says explicitly. So there's something common to all of those men, six non-Numenorians and three Numenorians, which is that they all desire power beyond measure. And so, and so that's why I think this is actually 
for the first time, change number 17 I hold is actually not a change. Um, it's rare that I'm going to hold that position, but in this case, I do hold it's not a change. It's just an a difference in emphasis. Hmm. John, do you have any opinion on this? Well, Michael, I mean, you said it very well. Um, I mean, I think uh, I think you're I think you made a pretty solid case. I have trouble disagreeing with you. Um, I will say, I, I think your point about like the uh, what the movie is addressing is specifically the even though they don't say it right there that by imagery, it's like they're addressing the ring rates. And, and then you, you quoted that passage, which is probably the best passage to speak uh, to, to that group of, of men. Um, I will say that uh, I, I don't know that, the, I don't know that's a change either, but I would have liked to have some kind of mention of the desire for immortality because that, that men in general have, in Tolkien's Legendarium, because that is such an important driver. Um, it is, um, you know, in the history of Numenor, that's really where they make the break, where they start to make the break with the Blessed Realm, with their with their friendship, with, um, you know, with the elves, their um, their allegiance, if you will, to the uh, to the Valar, and they start they start to get envious of the because they have. They have power, they have glory, they have all these things, and they they're like, well, why can't we live forever like the Eldar? Mm -hmm. So there's, I mean, from the very beginning, that's a that's a very central issue, but I don't know that it's necessarily a change as much as I would like that to be like acknowledged because it was so important to Tolkien, um, you know, in a very direct way in the stories. I agree, it's probably not a not a change per se. Well, okay, I'm I, I, I'm gonna play. A little bit of devil's advocate here is is a, a change in is a change in emphasis, which is what you said, Michael. It's a different emphasis, which means it is a change when they're emphasizing something differently. Now, Tolkien throughout the Silmarillion, throughout I mean, even the whole um, man. This is the the thing uh, that we uh, talked with Middle Earth Mixer the with uh, Andra the the um, the discussion between thing. I can't remember. <laughs> it's the difference between Authorbeth and Akalabeth. So I know. Yeah, they're, they're very I'm similar. never good with these names. The dialogue. Um, the whole dialogue is about essentially like long life, right? And and they talk about even she she what's her name? Andreth. She talks about uh, a a legend of like a man who lived forever. This is what's forefront in the men's mind. Any any of the men who meet the door, the dwarves, the elves generally unless it's like a barren type of character there there is there's always some uh tension because of the long life of the elves and the elves even look at the men and they see them as so brief and everything like that and so it's not unsurprising that in the quote that you had tolkien writes you know they obtain glory and great wealth yet it returned turned to their undoing and then the very next thing that that's most important or one of the most important is that is they had as it seemed unending life it life became unbearable unendurable to them which is exactly the same thing he said about uh, the Numenorians, for he, they wrote, uh, for though the valor had rewarded the Dunedain with long life, they could not take from them the weariness of the world that comes at last, and they died. Uh, and so, same sort of thing. Life became unbearable. They couldn't endure the weariness of the world. And and so, I, I mean, it's not it's not a change where they said, you know, men desire gold over everything else, which is obviously wrong. That would be the mm -hmm. dwarves. You, it's not that. But they did. They do say, you know, men desire power, and I think. Yeah, I think it cuts it a little bit too far away from what the core of it is. I think without without the long life, without immortality, their power is far less 
desirable to them. Well, that's what I think. All right. So, so I was just gonna I, I was gonna restart my camera after I had to stop it for a second, but because my image, my <laughs> thumbnail image is so appropriate to this conversation. <laughs> <That's> so great. <laughs> which is my uh uh, my own it's I'm, I'm bragging a little bit it's my daughter's um rendition of a uh king before he becomes a nazgul here you go uh, nice. <clears throat> there it is it's a little bit bigger I'll, there in I'll, the keep, I'll keep it up for the uh for the for the <laughs> voting parts of this uh it's nice to have the like the ringish orb like glowing around it too is yeah it, uh, while you talk yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> all right so let's go through these uh through the <laughs> Through if it is indeed our first question, men want power, not immortality. Is it lore friendly? Uh, Michael, since you had so much of an opinion, I'm going to start with you here. Uh, it is absolutely lore friendly. Um, it's yeah. well supported in the right. text that men want power. Um, doesn't mean they don't want immortality. And obviously, if you were talking about just Numenorians, I would say um, that it was mm -hmm. a, real, a real change, like a complete change, because... The, the Numenorians definitely wanted immortality. That was their big bugbear. Right. But only three of the nine are are, are Numenorians. And uh, and do it's you not... think do you think their power if, if 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 they just got power and not immortality they would have taken it? No, I I, I don't. I think the immortality was ha! probably a lure. But I the question is is, is this an actual change from Tolkien's work? I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't think it. Okay. I don't think it All qualifies. Right. I think it's. I think it's a. It's a. It's just a difference in emphasis. Yeah. So right. definitely lore friendly. Yes, John. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's lore friendly. I mean, uh, even though I really would have liked more mention of the uh, yeah of the desire for immortality, and that uh, I probably would have liked it better if it had been the desire above all else power and immortality or something like that. Yeah. But, they could have added yeah. like five syllables and it would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I, it would have helped, especially because they're talking about the ring race and the ring race are undying. Right. So, yeah. or, or, or power and long life or something like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's That's only three syllables. See, so like we're, we're, they should we're have really, had me write it. That's I would right. Have nailed it. Out. Where all were right. you? Well, I can't believe you guys said yes. Looking. I can't believe you guys said yes to it's lore friendly because I because you're going to say yes too. Yeah, it's, also, exactly. it's definitely lore friendly. I mean, <laughs> uh, like I think you mentioned earlier, it is they're called the rings of power, so it's <laughs> not. It doesn't mean it excludes immortality. Would I think I'm with John a little bit more? Like even one little phrase about who would desire power and long life, right. that would have been great because immediately you're like, oh, long life. Oh, the ring. Oh, it gives a natural long life. Like that would have led us right into that, but they didn't. Yep. Makes sense. They should have made. All right. Next question. Does the change make for better cinema? Um, so is it better because they say power and they just say nothing about immortality? John, I'll go to you first this time. Um, I don't think so. Um, I think, uh, I think they could have very easily oh. tipped the hat to, uh, to long life, to immortality, uh, yeah. in there. So, I will right. say I don't think the change necessarily makes for better cinema. Um, probably doesn't. It. I, yes, I would have liked them to mention immortality. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't think it makes for better cinema, cinema by by removing that point. Um, and it maybe if you haven't read the Silmarillion, you would say yeah, it does because you're you're making it less complex. But I don't know what you would have done in the rest of the movie other than add and long life to desire power and immortality or and long life instead of and immortality. Anyway, Michael, your your thoughts? 
Um, I'm going to go with a mild yes, it does uh, make for better cinema. And the reason is because it's spoken about, as I mentioned, um, in the cinematic version, there, there's clearly, with the visual they're showing us, they're talking about the ring race. They're talking about the Nine Kings. And mm-hmm. and so they're just they're just avoiding the whole immortality thing in general. But when they focus on the power side, these are the rings of power. And these this is part of Sauron, Sauron's lure with all of these rings. And so it does, it ties, for people that don't know the text, it ties the story better in with the lust for power. But only in a mild way. I'm not really, it's not, I don't have a strong opinion, but I do think it mildly makes it better yeah. and clearer for, for the cinematic version. Um, and behind yeah, it's, my, it's fun. But, like, I'm just thinking about like the changes that are massive. They get the same rating importance as this here, the, the same weight importance. So this is not a very important change to me. But when we get to Faramir, that's a pretty important change to me. But it's still just one of one, not one well, of Well, you know what we should do, actually, is when we when, whenever we decide to take a break from this or when we end it, we should have the what we consider our top 10 most important changes, for better or for worse. Oh, that's because, a good idea. Because yeah. it's real, you're right. I mean, what we're doing is we're aggregating literally hundreds of changes in, in this series that we're doing. Yeah. And yeah. so it's it would be nice to pick the more important ones and talk about the overall effect they have. But that's long in the future. So That is easy, long in the future. Easy for me. Okay, last question. How much do you like the change? How much do you like the change? All right, I'll start on this one. Uh, hmm, how much do I like the change? I don't like it. I don't hate it. I think it's just right in the middle. I'm just sort of always there. Uh, it doesn't bother me, but I, I think they could have made it a little bit better. Uh, Michael. Um, I like the change because I like the focus on the ring wraiths. And so um, I, I, but I don't like it that much. It's not that big. It, so it's mildly again. Um, so 3.7 for me. Hmm, 3.7. It's a veritable, like straight A there. Um, okay. John. <laughs> I don't know about that. Three point seven out of five is me. What college did you go to? It's trying to make a um, point that you love these changes so much. <laughs> totally joking. Okay, John, go ahead. Sorry. I I'd probably go with a. Uh, uh, I mean, I'd probably go with a one. Like I just um, meaning don't like it because, and I know it's we we're saying it's not really a change, and I know I said it's lore friend, you know, it's lore friendly, uh, but it's kind of but but. I just, um, man, immortality is so the question of immortality and what that would look like is so important in Tolkien's legendarium. And, um, Mm. uh, you know, that I just feel like it's a, uh, it's a missed opportunity to bring that up. And I think it, the thing that bugs me is that whenever, whenever people, uh, whenever folks bring like kind of a, uh, want to, modernize or materialize or make a little more palatable uh the things of tolkien um like that's the thing i think bugs me is like they're not bringing like and again not that it's this big dastardly like exclusion but it's just like immortality is hugely important it's like somebody it's like when tolkien takes issue in one of his letters um somebody and make kind of a related question i think somebody makes like says something along the lines of well the the point of like the biggest theme in lord of the rings is um 
you know, has to do, it may have been, they may have said something like power or something like that. And Tolkien responds to that and says, no, it's ultimately about like the worship of God, which is mind blowing because you're like, what? <laughs> like it's about Tolkien mm -hmm. claims it's about the worship of God. You know, it's about the worship of God is like the central key issue. Cause you're like, well, how do you get there? Um, and he, you know, he explains it, but um, anyway, I think that missing out on immortality uh, there in the prologue is a um, it's just a dropped ball in terms of the stakes in, in terms of everything that's at stake in the story. So, man, our guess so, is so yeah, you're making you're making uh, Jonathan look like a, a normie here. I love it. <laughs> um, but uh, but but I, I have a quick question for you. Do you so do you dislike it as much as you would like some of the more egregious changes? Because. Remember, the change is just the shift to power instead of immortality, which I understand why you're saying yeah. it's a missed opportunity. But it's not like men desiring power isn't a theme in Tolkien. Um, so, so it's it's not like it's contrary to his to his story. It's a, um, it's a large sin of omission. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think it's sort of like it would have been really easy to fix, and. Mm -hmm. If the, it's not like um, uh, changing Faramir, where they where they decided to change Faramir, you can't just in post add a phrase to fix Faramir. It just makes you me think like it, it's just like, I mean, I I have a lot of respect for uh, I do have I have a lot of respect for Peter Jackson and what he accomplished with the movies. Don't get me wrong, uh, but to me, it's like one of those things where it's like, do you really do you really get it? Like, do you really mm -hmm. understand mm -hmm. what's going on like at the deepest level here and uh, and I don't, I, I don't know much about Peter Jackson, like on a uh, personal level, but I don't think he's particularly, you know, friendly to questions of like religion and that kind of thing. But I mean, Tolkien is, just lays it out in the story. Um, and, and I think maybe, maybe there's a little bit of that, uh, that bias brought to the table. Um, and, just and through his avoidance, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So I understand it's not like the most like oh i can't believe they changed that you know but it's uh it's just a it's it's a, it's a the more i think about it the more i the more i dwell upon it uh and i haven't been with you guys for the rest of the issues but the more i dwell upon it i'm like i get the like, sense oh, that, yeah i get the sense you know? john would have a lot of ones in our uh if, if, if he was to stay on well that it's right. good because we've got two more opportunities for john to not give a one so we're going to go to our very next change cool. In the prologue and we're combining a couple here because we're kind of talking about the battle a little bit more uh and this is called elendil's battle and elrond's pleading but the power of the ring could not be undone it was in this moment that isildur son of the king took up his father's sword So the question here is how much of that is actually what Tolkien intended as the battle between Elendil and like Elendil didn't battle Sauron here. He just sort of got hit once and died. Uh, and 
Isildur just got you know picked up a, a a sword that he stepped on and like there was no battle there was nothing at all so is how close is that and the other one is elrond's pleading does he actually plead with uh uh isildur uh, <laughs> at the uh i always isildur and Elendil. for some reason it's like my two daughters i can never get them straight uh <laughs> <laughs> isildur does he plead with him and say throw it in and then just let him let him go oh, you're not going to do it just okay i'll let you go I'll, I'll let you keep the nuclear bomb that you have in your pocket and 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 just walk away with it rather than destroying it here. So let's let you go. Mm. So I'm going to take two quotes. One quote from uh, Of the Rings of Power in the Third Age in uh, the Silmarillion and one from Fellowship of the Rings. So this is from Of the Rings of Power in, in the Third Age where they're talking about this the, the, the last lines of Elves and Men. There in the Valley of Gorgoroth, Anarian, son of Elendil, was slain and many others. But at the last, the siege was so straight that Sauron himself came forth, and he wrestled with Gilgalad and Elendil, and they both were slain, and the sword of Elendil broke under him as he fell. But Sauron was also thrown down, and with the hilt shard of Narsil, Isildur cut the ruling ring from the hand of Sauron and took it for his own. So he cut the ring off. One, one finger, by the way, not, not four. We talked about that last time. He had, he had, he cut off one finger. That's what Gollum saw. Uh, and then this quote from uh, Elrond in the Council of Elrond chapter in Fellowship of the Ring. Isildur took the ring as should not have been. It should have been cast then into Orodrun's fire, nigh at hand where it was made. But few marked what Isildur did. He alone stood by his father in that last mortal contest. And by Gilgalad only Círdan stood, and I. But Isildur would not listen to our counsel. This I will have as Weregild for my father and my brother, Isildur said. And therefore, whether we would or no, he took it to treasure, to treasure it. So the question is, this whole battle, like th this thing, how close is this to what Tolkien intended? And I think we, we touched on this, particularly you did, Michael, and this, you're, you're, the way that you put it about the whole idea that if this is Weregild and how um, Elendil is essentially like he, smite, he smote in one blow which was very disappointing to me when I saw it. And so how real, how close to what Tolkien intended is here. So let me, let me give me, give my opinion. And I'll, I'll open the floor for you guys. There is a battle missing here between Sauron. Sauron is, is assailable. He is, he can be, especially with Gilgalad, right? Gilgalad and Elendil going at it with him in a battle to the death. And it's not, T Tolkien doesn't write that Isildur killed Sauron. Isildur took the ring, but uh, Tolkien wrote that um, Gilgalad and Elendil both were slain and the sword of Elendil broke under him as he fell, but Sauron was also thrown down and with the hilt shard of Narsil Isildur from cut the ruling ring from the hand of Sauron took it for his own. And so he doesn't even say Isildur killed him. He was already thrown down. He was defeated, in my opinion, by Gilgalad and Elendil. And to me, this part is a missed opportunity. We'll get into Elrond's pleading here in a second, but that's what I think about the battle. Do you guys have an opinion? Either of you want to jump in? Go for it, John. Hmm. Oh, you know, that's a really interesting point. I, you know, I'm so used to, uh, you know, to envisioning that battle in the way that it's portrayed in the, in the prologue that it never occurred to me that it doesn't actually say like, like the, what you just read there says that it almost sounds like Sauron, Elendil, Gilgala, they, uh, they duke it out and they all kind of fall and maybe Sauron is fallen as well. And, uh, and Sildur takes, um, takes the ring from him when he's at that, at that moment. Um, yeah. So that's very, that's very, uh, 
very interesting there. Just kind of mind blowing for me. I'd never, I'd never <laughs> thought about it in those terms. I think it was when Michael mentioned to me the whole idea of wear guild and how that is like, it's, yeah. it's, it's what I'm taking after I've won the battle. This is what I get. Yeah. It's not like I've won it in the midst of battle. This is the, it's over. This is what I'm taking now. Uh, go ahead, Michael. Cause you right. have, you have studies. Right. Wear, go, wear guild is payment for, for injustice committed uh, yes. wrongdoing. Mm. And it's, and it's, and it's taken, it's a payment that's just given. It's not like you, it's not like, <laughs> like a thing that happens. Cause I, cause I cut you down in battle. Um, it's, it's payment for injustice or for the pri the blood price um, of, of your, in this case, his father's death. So I, one of the things that always struck me about this scene that you just played was how much of a missed opportunity it was. This is a cinematic version of Tolkien. If any battles above all, and, and Jackson actually does a pretty good job in a lot of the battles. I, I But this particular battle, I just thought was such a missed opportunity. Um, clearly, they, they, they have one split scene, one split second, like a half a second where we get to see Gilgalad, um, which uh, you didn't show, but it was, it's, you can hardly tell it. It's, you, you have to know that it's there's an elf lord with a spear and be like oh that's iglos that's you know you have to know that there's actually um a history behind that to even know that mm -hmm. that's gilgalad so it never even shows him as the high king of the elves the only king it shows is elendil um in this in this prologue so the cutting out of gilgalad i thought was i thought always thought was irritating um gilgalad's spear has a name iglos it's called it means icicle his colors are blue so you get this visual like he's a he's this powerful king of them he's a grandson of uh, Finarfin mm -hmm. and he's um he's he's this this lord of elven lord of power um and we have this epic battle described between him I mean, it's not described in detail by Tolkien but it's we're told there's an epic battle um wherein both Gilgalad and and Elendil are 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 uh, um, slain but they take down Sauron between them so to me that's like opportunity Mm -hmm. uh, of a lifetime cinematically to show this the last alliance of elves and men and the high king of the elves and the high king of the men versus sauron himself i mean that's just tremendous opportunity and they just missed it they just cut it out entirely it's just like one swipe like you said jonathan so i i do not like this change in the slightest i thought I, I, um the whole uh elrond scene is a different uh issue um also they cut out kirden um kirden in fact does appear in the prologue it does Briefly, for a brief second, because he has the ring, uh, he has Narya um, at that time, the Ring of Fire. But uh, so he's the old elf, although he doesn't have a beard, which I always thought was irritating because Kirden is the one elf that we know has a beard. I think, I think he's he's the only one. But Kirden uh, <clears throat> uh, only appears twice in the movies, I believe. Once at the uh, Grey Havens at the very end of the Return of the King. Um, there's a split second scene with him as well. But he was at that battle with Elrond. Elrond was the herald of Gilgalad, and so he. He, Isildur, and Kirden were there witnessing the fight, but they it was just this monstrous fight. But it it does say in the text, Elrond is says that he was unable to sway. He and Kirden were unable to sway um uh Isildur from keeping yep. the ring. And right. I, I I hate the fact they missed out on the Ware Guild part, but I don't have a, that much of a problem. Like Kirden wasn't ever a character in the in you know he wasn't a major character. So just having Elrond there, it's actually even a believable kind of dialogue that could have happened where Elrond's maybe Elrond leads Isildur away from the the fight once he cuts the ring off and tries to convince him to throw it into a road ring. I, I that's I see that as actually quite plausible. Um, we it's it's just that Tolkien never tells us the details of, of that interaction and that attempt to 
to um, have him give it up. And what should have been his response, which is, no, this is this is the blood money. This is the where girl that yeah, I'm claiming, see, claiming for my father's death. That So that's the part where it departs from the... But, but the whole pleading side of it, where Elrond's trying to convince him, that something like that had to happen. Maybe it was Elrond and Kieran together. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, mm-hmm. that's my those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think Elrond's pleading is okay. I just think that it's a missed opportunity that, and they they did that in order to bookend the movie too, right? You had Frodo and Sam and Gollum at the at the same yep. place trying to destroy the ring, and Good that's point. where where mm-hmm. decided not to. And so I understand putting that in, although his it never says that Elrond took him to the what is it called the the Samath Nar or something like that, is right? That um, uh, and so is it real? Is it right? I, I'm okay with it. I'm just, it's, uh, it's, it's done to be a cinematic thing. It probably, well, jumping a little bit forward, probably makes the movie a little bit better by doing that. But anyway, let's, 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 well, and let's that's, and, yeah. And right before we answer this question, let me just point out, Jonathan, there's going to be times when we're going to come across changes, not often, but we're going to come across changes that Jackson makes. And one of the things I'm going to say about them uh, is th- that's not what happened in the books, but it's not contrary to what could have happened in the books. Yeah. In other precise. words, to- Tolkien just doesn't describe specifically what happens. And the question should be in our minds, is this a realistic possible way that this could have happened? Yeah. Um, and and uh, if it weren't for the Weir Guild, I would say yes in this case. Um, okay. And- so is it lore friendly? You're saying no. Uh, overall, I'm saying no, because there are two changes we're lumping in, um, um, which yeah. is the the fight, and the fight puts it over the edge. Like the battle, there's no Gilgalad. There's El- Elendil doesn't even put up a fight. It's not a. This is not um, a, a, a act. And then El, and then Isildur cuts. Like Isildur is the one that defeats Sauron with a broken sword, which is not the way um, the, the 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 lore um, puts it um, at all. And and the emphasis uh, should be different. I feel like this is. You know the 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 fight between um, Fingolfin and Morgoth, the challenge that he makes to him at the gates of Angband. It's sort of like this is a the harkens back to that, and I think having something that would have been great like that would have been so cool to see on screen. Although I, it was early in the film, I get it that would have been hard to do, and you can't you don't want to have a big huge battle and then come down after that to the hobbits for the next you know hour and a half. You know what though, Jonathan? Sometimes like you know if with this happens sometimes with Marvel movies and other things. You can you can have a scene which lasts only a few seconds longer, which shows lore accurate. You can show a battle like mm-hmm. for five or ten seconds between Gilgalad and and the people that know the the, the people that know the books will really you're, you're doing a fan service right. They they appreciate what you're doing, and it isn't going to detract from the movie. It's an elf king and a human king battling Sauron, and the and the and the anyway. Uh, yeah well i agree i hear okay so i'm just going to go and say no it's not lore friendly it's a missed opportunity i want to see fingolfin fight morgoth sometime in my lifetime but not by are you do you mean do you mean gilgalad fight sauron you keep you keep no i just mean i just think like a a great battle between the the great like gilgalad being the the one of the you know the last great king and uh and Sauron being a big bad guy, but I, I, it harkens back to what the battle between yes. Morgoth and Morgoth would have been like. Definitely, it's an, like. Um, um, definitely it's, it's an echo. Definitely, it's an echo. The hugeness of Morgoth, and you know the uh, the bright shining goodness, beauty, um, um, immortality of of uh, Fingolf in there would have like you could have had a reflection of that or a a, a a blurred image of that in in the fight between them. But we get the awkward 
swinging of a mace that makes guys fly 50 yards in the air, which I just was funny to me and still seems a little, it doesn't look quite right. It looks like there's, there's no heft to any of the people who are flying around, but anyway, all right, John, your turn. Go. Uh, I would say, I would say no. And I'd even add in that it's, you know, they even mess up. I mean, you have, you have Numenorians with beards. I mean, hmm. Numenorians aren't supposed to have beards <laughs> and yeah. Lindell, they missed an opportunity to show Lindell being like, like eight feet tall, right? Like, Lindell you know, tall, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I kind of, you know, I, I kind of snicker when I say those things, but at the same time, I'm like, but really like, you know, like, as I look at it now and I, and I remember the first time I saw the movie, I hadn't, I hadn't read the books or anything when I first saw the movie. And, um, and I thought, I just thought the prologue was so cool. And I still think it's really like, it's, it's really like one of the, like Jackson does prologues really well, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but now that I look at it, it's like, yeah, you get all the, I, I can see it in your guys' shoes having, I, I assume read the books and everything at that point. And like knowing a lot of the lore, um, that it would have been a huge, you know, there would have been lots of things very disappointing about it. Um, so, um, but yeah, overall, I think yeah. this is a, I mean, it's, a, is it Lord friendly to me is a very yes, no question. So, uh, yeah. is it Lord friendly? I have to go with no. a no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, okay. Does a change make for better cinema? No, no, it makes for worse. <laughs> they, 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 they they would yeah. have had the, the would, they would have had better cinema by sticking to the text um, and the the way the story actually happened. I, I just want to. I didn't say this in the beginning, but there's a really cool thing. Sauron actually kills Gilgalad with his hands. He and burns him. This is in one of the lost tales or one of the unfinished hmm. tales. He grip like like there's a there's a note where he he kills him with fire the fire from his hands. So so you know this is a. I mean, maybe amplified by the power of the ring. I mean, just cinematically, there's so much cool stuff you could do with that kind of thing. Like Aglos, I can see like Aglos having impaled him or something with the, with um, uh, Aglos. Sorry, um, Gilgalad impaled him mm-hmm. with Aglos, and 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 Sauron just sort of brings him close and burns him, and you know he goes up in flames, and um, and then Elendil comes in swinging. I mean, just there's so much cool stuff you could do from an action sequence perspective. Doesn't make for better cinema. Yeah, agreed. Uh, ditto, John. I'm actually going to say yes, it does. Uh, and, um, right. So uh, I guess here's my rationale. Again, like I said, I, I remember seeing this for the first time, having not read the books, knowing none of the lore at all. And just like I was so drawn in. Um, and I think I think when I look back at it, if if you had brought out Sauron, trotted out Sauron in the prologue, and he's there, battle like, like not just completely like whooping, <laughs> like whooping all like yeah. like he goes out there and he uses the mace and go. yeah now it looks a little corny. We, let's let's watch that again, shall we? Here we go. Here he is <laughs> whooping on people in the middle of it all. Yeah. But the power of the ring. Oh, actually, do I have that here? Or did I cut it out in my clip? There's, you cut, you it. cut it out. You, uh, oh, there's that one thing. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have to cut yeah. it out because anything under eight seconds, uh, Warner Brothers takes and is like, nope, we own that. Sorry. Yeah. So. Yeah. I got it. Uh, but but I think I think my point is, if you had trotted out Sauron this early in in the movie and had him like um, like if you had like an elf elf lord and a man like 
going toe to toe with him in a bat and like kind of an epic battle, uh, a, that may have been too much too soon and B, um, and B, it would have maybe taken him down a notch early on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's much more compelling to show like, it's almost like he's, he's just whooping everybody. And then like, and then like, he just has this Achilles heel, right. Which is, you know, yeah. that, uh, that he has, that Isildur gets just kind of lucky shot, you know, chops, chops the ring <laughs> off. Right. right. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he trots out there and he just looks like, oh, that guy is unbeatable. Like no one can even mm. like, everybody's terrified of him and nobody can handle him. And so that's, that's why in my mind, you know, remembering coming to it as a newbie, uh, I think it probably makes, I think it probably makes for better cinema. Um, as much as it, mm. I, as, mm. a, as a lore guy now, I'm like, I, I like what you guys say. And I would have, I would really love to see all of those scenes maybe right. later on in the movie show those like because i because i think the um the scene the council with of Elrond, yeah they have well, a little more of that they they show yeah was the so the thing with Isildur isn't in uh That's Elrond. The council of Elrond, yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah okay um maybe show more at that point right of the battle or something like that but yeah. uh but yeah, yeah so in terms of the prologue i'm, I'm saying yes i think it is <clears throat> makes for better cinema yeah i'm not i'm not real you know, this is one where i'm not super duper annoyed by it or like like in, in the sense that like when it comes to does it make for better or worse cinema my no is kind of like well it, it kind of doesn't it had to be a prologue and you don't want to make the prologue last for 15 minutes yeah or people are going to check out because the movie hasn't even started yet well, so it's and, kind and, of and, and tolkien we talked about like the um like like move like movie scripts when he re- when he responded to movie scripts in his letters he was okay yeah. with abridgment um so basically like making like making things more like concise yeah. he just didn't like the um kind of liberties that people were taking yeah. with like well, he was you know, he was okay with abridgment and with making galadriel the commander of the northern armies i think he wrote that in one of his <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no that would be a, a hard no, yeah. no. <laughs> all right so how much how much do we like the change uh you know i uh this is one where i'm just it's not the uh, as important to me i'm gonna say it's it's it because you have to have considerations for the film, I'm going to give it a 2.9 uh, that you can't make the prologue last forever. And as much as I would have, as a lore person, as I would have liked to have seen that much of the lore of the Silmarillion in the prologue to the Fellowship of the Ring, I know I'm not going to get it. And so I'm, I think it, it's okay with, I'm okay with going with a little higher than a two and a half this time. John, where you sit? Do we get to see our numbers this time or no? Oh, the, uh, so so this this is the oh you can you sorry. put the question on screen again just so i can remember it right there we yeah, go <laughs> sorry Thanks. i forgot how much do you like the change it's a 2.9 for me there we go um i guess i'm just like i i'd probably just say a three i'm, I'm kind of okay I, like i said on one hand i remember being you know guy who never read knew nothing of the lore and loving the prologue on the other hand now i'm like so i'm like just kind of blending the two like <laughs> a one maybe a one now but a five then I'm like, okay, I'll just settle with the three. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm good with that. Michael? Um, I did not like the change because I think hmm. it under it underserved um it underserved the the text, which lent itself much better. The text. In other words, um, so if you the whole prologue is five minutes. Um in that prologue, mo- so much time is given to uh Isildur's travels back and then the, is being ambushed by orcs and the and going into the river and the ring. Like I watched the whole prologue again today, and and and, um, and 
do I think it would have hurt them to add a 30, 45 seconds more of battle at the beginning? No, I don't. And I mm -hmm. think they could have put in some of the cool stuff. Um, so I don't like the change. So I'm going to give it a 2.2. 2.2. The prologue is really closer to seven minutes long. The extended edition. I'm not sure what it's like in there. So. Oh, I was. I was. I didn't watch the non-extended edition. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's no longer the theatrical edition. It's the non-extended edition. Because mm -hmm. the extended edition <laughs> is. Speak really from good. the negative. Yes, he's. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, that's uh, that's good, John. You're you're bouncing from the the top to the bottom here. We're uh, hard to hard to pin down. I like it. Down. All right. Next question, guys. We're gonna hit is uh, the ring, and. The ring is rather anthropomorphized, which means made kind of human. It's given a personality. It's given uh, uh, it's it's given the ability to make its own mind up in a way. So this one's called "The Ring's Got a Mind of Its Own." Cast it into the fire. And the ring of power has a will of its own. But something happened then the ring did not intend. Sudio's bane is found. Sudio's bane. The ring's got a mind of its own. In fact, it kind of has a voice of its own. That's what you heard much of the time through these clips. In that, uh, when there's that whispering going on, right? You can hear that in the background. And then not only that, you hear Galadriel in the, in the prologue talk about how the ring has a will of its own. It did not expect something. So is this lore friendly? Is this what Tolkien intended? Well, I have four quotes to read from you, and I think Michael might have even more unless we're overlapping here. We haven't talked about it, so we're going to find out. Uh, the first comes from the Fellowship of the Ring from the chapter The Shadow of the Past, where uh, Tolkien writes, or this is uh, Gandalf speaking to Frodo. A ring of power looks after itself, Frodo. It may slip off treacherously, but its keeper never abandons it. It was not Gollum, Frodo, but the ring itself that decided things. The ring left him, which right there, right? It had a will of its own. It's something did not expect that, you know, Gladwell says in the prologue there. And then here's another quote from uh, the Silmarillion of the Rings of Power in the Third Age. And Saruman deemed that the ring, which was Sauron, Sauron's would seek for its master as he became manifest once more. But if he were driven out again, then it would lie hid. So he's saying that the ring would seek for its master. And then in Unfinished Tales, in The Disaster of the Gladden Fields, which talks about how Isildur lost the ring and was killed and how, uh, how uh, was it the ring of bear here? I can't remember how there was one, uh, one like squire, one page that survived all that. Anyway, that's the disaster mm -hmm. of the God fields and the unfinished tales. Uh, he writes this. So passed the first victim of the malice of the masterless ring. Isildur, second king of all the Dúnedain, lord of Arnor and Gondor, and in that age of the world, the last. So the malice, right? Malice is a, is a personality trait. Uh, and then lastly, this is also from uh, that same chapter in Unfinished Tales, The Disaster of the Gladden Fields. Yet many have thought that the ferocity and determination of their assault on Isildur was in part due to the ring. It was little more than two years since it had left his hand, and though it was swiftly cooling, it was still heavy with his evil and seeking all means to return to its lord as it did again when he recovered and was rehoused. So all those quotes seem to point to the fact that the ring has some sort of will or intention but but is it as 
much of a character as Jackson makes it in the Fellowship of the Ring? That's the question. Because can 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 the ring have its own personality? Can it have a voice? Can it speak to us? Can it have the ability to influence people, or is it just Sauron's will through the ring? Maybe, uh, Michael. What do you think? Um, the only uh, you we did overlap in one quote. I'll just read the other one, which is also that I have, which is supporting those ones that you brought up. But it actually uses the word "will," and hmm. this is in the in the Silmarillion, also of the Rings of Power in the Third Age, and much of the strength and will of Sauron passed into that one ring. For the power of the Elven Rings was very great, and that which should govern them must be a thing of surpassing potency. So. It actually t- says that the w- Sauron's will is passing into the ring. Um, that means the wing- ring has a will, uh, not just power. Um, so, so there is a will. Now, obviously, it's not the same kind of will as Sauron himself has. I mean, there are so many places where the ring, if it actually had a will, could have revealed it's like Frodo to and Sam. Like I'm thinking of in Mordor, they're 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 dressing up as orcs, as small goblins, and in, in the in the long line, and it, the ring could have done some. Like it's in Mordor. Here it is. Like this has been its whole purpose. Yeah. <clears throat> once, excuse me. Once get back to its master, and this is the perfect time to betray them. There's plenty of other places like that where if the ring was like looking around, like it was a person looking around it and going like, "What should I do now?" And, and then acting on it, it would have done many more things than it could, than, than, than it did. Um, so it does seem to have a will, kind of a passive will, almost like a magnetic will where it's trying to get back to Sauron. Um, but but there is a will there. And the question for me becomes all the whispering. Like, it actually has a voice in, yeah, in the exactly. movie. And that's what we never see. So we never see a voice in Tolkien from the ring at least i don't think so i don't we never hear any whispering so obviously you're in cinema obviously i think the jackson team felt like it needed to emphasize the pull of the ring and the ring does have pull we it says mm-hmm. so explicitly with boromir for example and and um you know that it's not just temptation but there's there's an actual draw obviously we see it in spades with Gollum, we see it with Bilbo and the difficulty in letting go of the ring or even knowing that he's not letting it up, giving it up back in Hobbiton. So, um, but does it have a voice? No, it does not. There's no time in that I've found there where it actually could say anything and whisper to anyone, but maybe I'm, maybe I missed something. So that's the, those are my thoughts before we get answer the questions. What about you, John? How did you take yeah. it? The the letter uh, so so the whole question of the voice I, I so I was researching this one before we recorded on uh, on Tolkien Gateway and just reading about like reading about the ring and it's because there's so much I feel like there's so much um, ambiguity about what like this question within it like is it is it is it just like Sauron in there like we you know uh, you're putting himself in there or does it be, does it become its own thing I mean the ring is such a fascinating uh sort of thing that encompasses all of these big questions about what power actually is and how we make our will more quickly affect you know more efficient more effective it's like so it's so applicable to the modern age with all of our technology it's like we just have rings all over the place you know and and we're just doing all these things um but uh and and it's almost like the ring at times is like a is like 
what we're starting to do with AI and these kinds of things. Oh, you know, man, um, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> same thing, man. I was going to um, say, it's like the ring is the AI for Morga. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Sauron. For, for Sauron. I mean, well, and and I mean, he does, like, it's like, I know with Morgoth, um, he uh, told the one of the volumes of the history of Middle Earth is called Morgoth's Ring because Tolkien made the point at one point that like, the whole world was Morgoth's ring, right? Like he, mm. he sought mm. to make mm. it this tool of domination for himself. And Morgoth became weaker and weaker as he poured his creative, uh, like life force into other, other things of his making. Yeah. Um, his, his power became like, personally, his power became dispersed and they were like extensions of him. Uh, I I'm, I'm kind of just like throwing all these ideas out there because I don't know that I have a settled a settled mind yeah. on this. But so, uh, you know, here's you're, okay. you're yeah, in good company because Tolkien didn't have a settled mind either. Yeah. The, the one quote I did find from the letters was from letter two eleven about this, and he says, "You cannot press the One Ring too hard, for it yep. is, of course, a mythical feature." even though the world of the tales is conceived in more or less historical terms. So mm -hmm. he's just, even he himself isn't really coming down really particularly about what makes, what kind of will or sentience or whatever mm -hmm. the ring has. Um, so all we can kind of go off of is his hints. The one core thing that I would point to that's very different between the books and the movie is the voice. There's never a mm -hmm. voice described in the books even though there's plenty of other things, the wing ring does in fact leave people. So the, the whole funny yeah. bounce, the bouncing ring down the, down the rock, <laughs> funny looking in one sense, yeah. but, but it's like, cause it's like, what, like, what is it expecting? Like it's got little legs. It's going to jump, <laughs> keep, keep bouncing down forever. Yeah. Um, but, or what, but, but it is, it did. In fact, Gandalf even says it left for, for uh, Bill. Yeah. Or left what, Gollum, rather. Yeah, yeah. And let me riff off what you said it, with John with AI and the ring. This this is what struck me in thinking about this is uh, the ring is simply reflecting back or spitting back the input that it has. What is the input that it had or the data that it had? It's Sauron's will and malice, right? It, he poured all that into the ring. So what is the ring going to going to have? It's going to have his will and his malice because Sauron can't create. He can't create a life. There is no life in the ring. I think that's pretty well established that there's no way that he could create something new that has a will of its own. So somehow it has to be Sauron's will. Now we can talk about the whole idea of the cinema thing. Let's get into that later. But I think the whole idea that it's, it's, it's like, it's like AI, right? It only is going to spit back. It's only going to talk back to you what you put into it. And so if you give it a bunch of crap, if you give it a bunch of, uh, of, of Sauron's ideas of, of what is, <laughs> what is the good and right thing to do, then it's only going to spit back the whole thing. So like are you suggesting Jonathan, that we should change the URL of the one ring.com to be Mordor AI.com? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Either that or exploring Tolkien. Either way, I will. <laughs> All right. So let's look at it. Let, let's let's figure out. Let's dive into, is it lore friendly? And I think this hinges on the fact of what we think about the voice. Because I will say that the way it's portrayed is lore friendly all across the board, except for the voice, maybe. But here's the thing is, I don't think you can portray it as having a will of its own if it's just a completely inanimate object. When you when Tolkien writes about the ring, he can tell us what it is. He can he can he can explain to us that it has a will, that it has mouse. But how do you portray that in the film as part of the evil that's trying to be overcome? Well, if it's just an inanimate ring that doesn't really do anything other than you know go make you go into the Middle Earth upside down, 
it's it's hard to lend it that uh, evil credibility, that evil authority. So I would say right now, yes, it is lore friendly the way it was portrayed in uh, Peter Jackson's films. John, I'm going to go to you. Where are you thinking? Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes because um, <clears throat> I just think there's enough ambiguity. Um, I uh, with the voice, I you know I get that objection. I think I'm gonna save my comments on that until okay. we get to the uh, to the next questions. All right. All right. Well, I was gonna say no because of the technicality of the voice. However, Jonathan <clears throat> has changed my mind in his last argument about ai once in 70 episodes because here's what ai can do ai can mimic back things Mm -hmm. that it that 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 are put into it so the voice doesn't have to be the voice of a sentient mind that's it can be like the recording of sauron's will essentially it's like an imprint of sauron's will and it just manifests itself and tolkien never says there's no voice so who knows Mm -hmm. what 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 you know how it tempts people so because of that and because I was originally connecting the idea of voice with a, actually having a sentient, a kind of sentience in order to speak. Nevertheless, I think Mordor AI can do that kind of thing. It, it can have recordings <laughs> of, of of Sauron's speaking, corrupting words and tempting people. Um, I think there there can, in fact, be a way in which that's the way the ring li- reaches out around itself um, without actually having sentience. So I'm going to go with yes. Okay, guys, I might have to buy MordorAI.com and create a chat <laughs> I bet you, I bet you a hundred bucks it's already bought. Uh, no, it's not. I'm buying it right now. And thankfully, oh, we're not live streaming this. So, um, hold on. Let me, let me log into my account. No, I seriously have it up. I'm going to buy Mordor, Mordor AI. Excellent. All right. I want, uh, okay. Next I question. Want na- I want naming credibility. <laughs> okay. All right. right. I'll give you all the money that that site ever makes. <laughs> Never, not- uh, does the change make for better cinema? Well, I kicked us off last time. I'm going to say actually, yes, I think it does. Because like I said earlier, the, the inanimate ring is really hard to make, um, to give it evil authority, to make it something that is, that, that, that is feared. Uh, and so having, the voice, just that 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 voice in the background. It's almost like it's a reflection of Sauron's voice. Oh, so, oh sorry, Sauron of Gandalf's voice too when he speaks um, uh, the ring the ring poem in the, the Orcish language. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. Black the inscription, speech. black speech. Thank you. Um, that's. I, f- I feel like it had to have that in order to make it to make it what it needed to be in order to to have that ominous feeling. Anyway, all right. And I'm going to throw a yes in there. No no additional comments. I, you said all the same reasons. Okay. It needs right. it needs to be that. It needs to be something cinematic and I think it's it's uh it's defensible. Yeah. John? Uh yeah, I think it does. And um I think what I wanted to say about the voices in addition to everything y'all have said is um I just I don't I don't think there would be a better way to portray that effect that aspect of the rings of the rings power that it that it has this uh, it it somehow I mean we we all know the experience of uh, of something speaking to you without words right without yeah. actual audible words so how are you going to portray that in a in a film. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of like the know, feeling of somebody looking like you following you in the dark. You can't see anything, but you've got this feeling. How do you portray that on film? Like, the, and, and like I a little and bit I of that 
found this on Tolkien Gateway, which I thought was in, and I tried to, so it references letter 246. I couldn't find the exact reference in the letter, but it says part of its essential deceit was filling minds with imaginations of supreme power. And um, so I'm like, how do you portray? And, and, and so that's funny to me that it's part of its essential deceit because it almost makes me think of like, Sauron creates this thing and it's supposed to like tell him how great he is all the time. It's supposed to be like, Oh, Sauron, you're so, you're so handsome and wonderful. Like, that's you right. know, and then, and then whoever that's else has it, it's like, it's like Gandalf, you could be the greatest, right? Why don't you just, why don't you just, well, we me? see, and we see that directly, right? Sam, when Sam puts it mm-hmm. on, he has the vision of himself yes. striding, striding across the land and turning everything into a garden. Yeah. And, and um, you know, he's it's it's Sam's idea of 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 ultimate power is like a garden, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, but it, but it's like it's like feeding that. So how do you portray that in a film? You know, that, there's uh, got to be sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that yeah. that voice of temptation, right? That voice right. of like, how do you do that? But right. yeah. All right, so John, you, does it make for better cinema then? Yes. Oh, oops. Yes. Oh wait, sorry, I just asked that. What is? How much do you like? How much do you like the change? Then. Um, the change being the voice I, really ultimately is what we're talking about. Like the change that. being the voice. Um, I'm pretty good with it. I'll, I'll give it a five. Yeah, I'll give it a five. I mean, I think I can't think of a better way of doing it quite. I, I, I even like the touch of like, it's whispering in this like weird sort of, uh, like, like almost like hypnotic sort of, uh, like whisper. Um, and it's, it's some other language, you know, it's like, what is it saying? So it's like, it's speaking some kind of deeper personal, language right. to whoever is there and it's like ha- has this hypnotic effect on it that's a gr- that's a great point you should also buy mordor asmr jonathan <laughs> <laughs> all right this, the site doesn't make that much money the the, the to actually justify all these domains i did buy a mortar ai i'm not sure what i'm going to do with it by the time this episode is released but we'll uh, we'll see all right um i like the change a lot i think it really does a good job of explaining what i do think is a kind of primitive will and primitive um, intellect so mm-hmm. i'm gonna say in this case i'm gonna say 4.5 4.5 man you guys are really like scraping I, I really here. like the change i like the change yeah you know i do too um i'm trying to think um how many other changes will i like better than this because that's i have to i have to find what my what my extremes are before i figure out what you know like Jonathan, I think there are hundreds extremes. of changes i know but i gotta think about it for just a split second here hold on are there changes <laughs> i like better than this yes okay i can think of one so this is uh, but I don't, I think I'm, I'm closer to John. So I'm going to say a 4.7. Um, I, I feel to, like you're this trying change, to push your average. Yeah. I feel like this change worked really well. I don't think it was done in a, an over the top. It, it didn't like, you know, like you said, we didn't see little legs sprout up and have it run away from, from Bilbo in the Gollum's cave. Uh, so I think it worked really well. I, I like the change and I think it's, and I think even though that there is like, they give it this voice, they anthropomorphize it even more than Tolkien did. So that is a change. But I think it worked well for the films, and I think they had you to know because there was no there was no creation of that ring of malice through the words of Tolkien in our in our head. We had all right, you've convinced me for a second time. Change mine to four point eight. I don't. I can. It's it's hard for me to think of a better change. <laughs> I was going to be so proud about how nope. I was higher than you on this one, nope. and yet you had to. All right, I'm going to be a four point eight one. playing games now (laughs) all right wow guys we're high that's that's crazy that that i am i'm change number 19 our favorite change 
Our favorite change. I didn't think that this ring, uh, this this ring being given a character of its own in a way would be so high, but um, I don't think they could have done it any other way. And I think the change was necessary. And I think it worked out really well. I think it it it, it lent the ring what it needed to have. Yeah. And it made it into a character mm-hmm. that that needed to be destroyed. Right. It was. It wasn't. <clears throat> it wasn't just quantum entangled with Sauron and quantum it was just sitting there. So <laughs> it was actually well, like. And you know. Different. Sauron not really making like uh, visible appearances in this film, which is a, you know, obviously a visible medium other than in the prologue. Uh, what do you mean? Kind of a big, a, big giant. You need, you need that it to have a stronger character. Um, there was the laundry line eye between the towers of Baradur. <laughs> I mean, there is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the mean, burning that's... laundry line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. All right, guys. That was great. Um, we are we're done with with almost oh, right now it's it's like eight percent of our total so far that we have. Don't 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 give us say. those percentages. But Just... uh, but we'll see. Um, we are uh, next week. We're going to be hitting uh, a few more changes in Lord of the Rings. I don't have them up in front of me. Sorry, guys. My big long, long list is uh, in a different spreadsheet somewhere. Uh, you're going to be surprised. Gonna... You'll all be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're on our Discord chat, then I'll post them early so that you guys can ask some questions about that. We are going to be jumping into uh, our extended podcast with John. We're going to talk about some questions that some folks have. We're going to talk about like what changes, since we didn't really like the uh, the Elendil's battle and Elrond's pleading as much as uh, we would have if we wouldn't have known about the lore, what would we've done differently? Well, we'll talk about that. Um, and so if you want that, you can become a member at uh, theonering.com slash members. It's $4 a month. First month is free. Get the extended podcast. It's 20 minutes longer. And you can ask us questions in Discord. And you can chat with me. And if Michael's free on Saturday sometime, I don't know yet, Michael, I'll let you know. Uh, so the answer to that is no. Saturday is my no. wife's birthday. So there will oh. be no live chatting. Can you just jump on your phone while you're at dinner with your wife or something? He probably doesn't care that much. You see, you see, you see her like every day. The reason I've survived 25 (laughs) years of marriage is because I don't do things like that. Oh, man. However, all right. Before we jump into our extended podcast, though, um, there's something was released recently. In fact, by the time this comes out, it'll be last week. And that is uh, something that you guys haven't seen in a while. If you like Tolkien, that's this. That's the new expanded letters of J.R.R. Tolkien. It was released last week. This bugger is 700 pages long. That's crazy. It's awesome. Um, and John, you've you've leafed through this. This was just released. I just got my copy yesterday. I think you did too. Uh, you've looked at it more than I have. What do you think of what you've seen? And what, what did you say? 100, 150, 160, how many new letters were in here? Uh, 150, 150 new letters. Um, and so apparently the uh, the story on this is that it was what they originally intended to release uh, back in 1980, uh, but the publisher basically said it's too long. You need to you need to take take some length off of it. Uh, they tell the story in the in the preface, so, um, and so 150 letters. They Humphrey Carpenter and Christopher Tolkien uh, excised 150 letters, and um, and so they this is it include this includes those 150 letters. Um, they add them back in in chronological order, but they don't change the numbering of the original edition. Oh, so what cool. they do is they add letters onto the end of each um, of each. Like so, if a if a let if a letter comes between 140 and 141 chronologically, they'll make it 140A or 140B or something like that. Yeah, See that right there. That's 150. That's 50 56A right there. See yep. that. 
like those. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Do they, um, do they, I can't find anywhere where they tell us which ones are new. Is there, is there a glossary? They don't have like a list of, yeah, which like where to find the new ones or anything. So that's why I, I, I like literally went through each page and was like, how, you know, what, like, and just kind of glanced to a lot of them are pretty short. You know, a lot of them are like the shorter passages from obviously longer letters or just little notes. You can understand why they, maybe they were the ones that were excluded. Um, but there are, there are a few in there that are actually like, you know, fairly long letters. Um, there was like one thing that uh, there, there's a, a couple that pertain to, I think it's the film, the song of Bernadette, which is a movie about uh, like the Our Lady of Lourdes uh, miracle. And I, I hadn't realized just how deeply affected Tolkien, Tolkien was and like how, what in high regard he held like uh, St. Bernadette Um and uh, that's really interesting because she, hmm. to me, in my mind, is kind of a very hobbitish uh, sort of sort of figure, um, like almost like Sam Sam so kind does, of figure. So does he reference the song of Bernadette? He does. Like uh, he mentions going to see it. I think in like uh, nineteen. I think that's the. I think because it's he mentions a movie about uh, about Bernadette uh, about like Our Lady of Lourdes and yeah, our kids um, like that movie. That's, yeah, I think it I, was it an Academy Award winner. I can't I can't even remember. But uh, yeah, it, I have it up it, on it, screen. I can't here. remember. What year did it come out? That may 1941? 40, okay. 41 book. The film came out in 43. Okay, 43. So yeah, that's probably about the right. That's probably about the uh yeah. the right they won I think the letter was Best Actress, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Scoring of a Dramatic or Comedy Picture. Yeah, Outstanding Motion yeah. Picture, which I oh, was nominated. Yeah. So um anyway, and then there's another there's there's several just letters to his kids, which I'm just like I find I find just so moving what a devoted father he was. Um, I mean, he just he really, really loved his kids. And 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 just he's uh, he's constantly like, wow, you're like this guy's a great father. And then and then he'll be like, you know, I've, I haven't been a good father. You know, so you're just as is as, um, hmm. as a father. I read these things and I'm just like, hmm. this just makes me love you even more. <laughs> like, <laughs> What an amazing man you were. And there's. um there's a couple of longer letters in there that really deal like with a lot of fatherly advice and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, those things, we might not find anything too astounding in there as far as like mm-hmm. lore reveals or anything like that. But, uh, but I just find them very, very moving and uh, deep in my love and appreciation for the man. Um, right. They sounds like they really fill him out in a way. I'm yeah. really, I'm really excited as well to look. That's one of those one, things I've, I've always loved about the. There is a passage. This, this is going to be an interesting one, and I, 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 uh, I don't, I can't pull the letter. I don't, I didn't mark the letters yet or anything like that. Um, but there's, you know, every once in a while, the question of like, what was Tolkien's like kind of political leanings, or was he like, you know, what was he anti? you know, communist, anti-socialist. And there's a letter actually in there where he is talking about like uh, later in his life where he's talking about like the insanely high tax rates they had. And, um, you know, when all these like <laughs> rock stars were becoming tax exiles and um, like the Rolling Stones, I think were one of the famous bands in like, in like the late sixties, yeah. early seventies. And he's complaining about like, I, you know, I could write, I could publish more, but they're just going to take all, all the money. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, and he, and he, at one point he basically like kind of lays into like the socialists and leftists that, you know, run the, uh, you know, that run the government. And, um, so, uh, that was a little bit like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be an interesting one to talk about in a video at some point, uh, to maybe dive into that a little more. For Um, sure. Tolkien's economic views. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, George R. R. Martin would have loved it. 
<laughs> so um sorry that was a, a deep dive like comment back yeah. to what we talked about a while ago so there, there's um uh it, it's i mean for me like i my copy of the my old copy of the letters is all marked up and everything and so mm-hmm. um i love i love his letters and so this this is just a really exciting thing if you already love his letters if you don't already have his yeah. letters then just get this because you're just gonna have more letters to start For with sure. and you need to have his exactly. letters if you are a Tolkien yeah. fan yeah. and, and one line. thing that's really interesting is is you know like we mentioned before Tolkien he kept changing Galadriel into like more of a Virgin Mary type of character almost mm-hmm. right they, it was like there was a scene and what's crazy is the last letter he wrote was he, he talks about her as being commander of the northern armies oh don't do that <laughs> <He can't>. <laughs> you <laughs> know what can't help so yourself we're ending the like show that. right now that's every it. time <laughs> man, I, this freaking commander of the stupid northern armies Woot came up with this anyway <clears throat> All right, guys. Um, I will say one other thing: the uh, the Waldman letter, unfortunately, mm. does not have any further does yeah. not have any further length. I was hoping that he would be like in the Waldman letter and be like, and then the fourth age, here's what happened, and then in the fifth <laughs> age, here's great. what happened. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but he left that for Amazon to create for us at some point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks for joining us, John. Thanks for like giving us that overview. Hey, TolkienRoad.com. Yeah. So uh, just reading a lot of Tolkien and talking about it. So uh yeah. yeah go to there i got a you lot of podcasts any, out there yeah just go to go to any podcast app just look for Tolkien road right you'll you'll find it that's right um is that's greta right. going to be joining you again soon because i've been following along with your fall of numenor uh, oh yeah uh well so hopefully uh hopefully next year you know next year we'll start getting her back on the show so we might do a couple before the end of the year too just as a little a little treat so cool. uh but yeah it's been kind of a been kind of a busy year for her but yeah. uh yeah. but yes lot of life changes too we'll we'll probably dive into some of those letters maybe that's what we should do michael in the in the near future we should too. take a we'll take a break from the movies uh, yeah. analysis and, and maybe jump, do that in the new year uh after we do take our our uh, holiday break um there's a good chance we might be taking a thanksgiving break too if uh if if time allows for us to do it we will continue to do it uh but we're going to jump into our extended episode so if you want to get that join us at the slash members so long freeloaders